What's going on, Return Nation? It's Wesley here, and we've got another Return Live episode number two. Today, we sit down with Travis Sipfel, Michael Owen, and Nick Voss to discuss a 2019 wrap-up, their goals for 2020, Hellgate 100K recap, and Ohio's Ultra Runner of the Year nominations. Hope you enjoy. What's going on, Return Nation? We are here for our second live show. We've got the same panel as before, and we're excited to talk all things from uh, beer, holidays, reflections on 2019, goals for 2020, and of course, Ridge Runner Nation members, Ohio Ultra Runner of the Year. Big results this year, so we're going to dive right into those. But first, uh, let's do the intros again, and what's everyone drinking? Why don't you start, Wesley? Yeah, so I'm uh, Wesley here. I'm actually in a custom studio this week, uh, undisclosed location. I got the Bud Light this week. Kind of disappointed. I thought I was going to have another light, but uh, Bud Light it is for me. What about you, Nick? Uh, I've got a main beer company, Post Ride Snack. It's a session IPA. Lovely. How about you, Michael? Um, drinking <laughs> orange juice for my sippy cup here. Looking good. Um, Looking good. I had a Sprite. But I did just grab a uh, the Mitten, the Mitten Brewing Company. You can guess that's out of Michigan. It's their country mm. strong American IPA. I've got a Royal Docks Brewing Company from Canton, a Centricity IPA. It's pretty good. But I also got a backup. I've got some good old classic Jackie O's. Nice, know. nice. So before we dive into everyone's year and whatnot how was the holidays for everyone everyone i saw there's a little bit of travel uh travis you said you're up in michigan yep just uh just got back yesterday uh up there for the new year's got away for about four days from all the family and all the holiday hustle i just stayed home all break and it was quite low-key didn't do any running either same <laughs> what was your yearly stats, Wesley? Uh, we'll get into that. We'll get into that. Well, cool. So the reflection on 2019, I kind of just want to start before we go through everyone's goals. Obviously, we're joined by some pretty good ultra runners and some also some pretty all right ultra runners and uh, myself and whatnot. So uh, everyone basically had different kind of years. So I think it's kind of interesting to see like how we all kind of summarize our own years and reflecting on like what we thought each other's years were. So um, I don't know who wants to start with this, but basically like maybe summarize how your year went, how you thought it was going to go from the beginning and maybe just your thoughts overall on how you thought your 2019 went running wise. I can start, I suppose. Um, so my year was pretty low volume in terms of racing. I think I completed four ultra marathons. <laughs> road marathon and just a couple of five Ks, but started off pretty well with uh, second place at Mount Mitchell and a first place at promised land. And then uh, kind of midsummer was my downer period. I DNF'd at Mohican, which was the Mohican hundred, which was the first time I've DNF'd a hundred miler. So that was a little bit of a setback. Um, not really physically or anything, but just mentally I was like, man, I believe I dropped out of that race and um, didn't, I didn't like plan another hundred miler after that. And so it took me quite a bit of time to like kind of reset mentally and 
and to get back into racing. So I didn't race from June until um, November when I got fourth at JFK and then uh, at Hellgate. I think we were to get into Hellgate a little bit more, but that was my final race of the year just a couple weeks ago, and that was probably probably my um, worst performance from a placement and like performance standpoint, but um, and I'll get into this a little bit later, but it was quite rewarding in the end. And so uh, kind of up and down year, but uh, all in all, kind of typical year for me, just uh, a little bum that I didn't finish a hundred miler in, in 2019. And uh, kind of the takeaway for me is not to take past experiences for granted that I can just, you know, finish a hundred miler without being motivated to finish a hundred miler. And, uh, and before I do another one, I'll have to make sure I'm, motivated to do that and so the people i mean most people know who you are michael obviously but maybe people don't know your racing strategy and like how many races you do per year four to five is pretty much your wheelhouse every single year right you don't typically you're not someone who does 10 ultras in a single season right correct yeah i think i might have done six one year but typically it is like five kind of on average i would say and so it's one of those things like i guess my racing strategy i've never really thought about too much but I, I choose races and then I focus on them for a pretty long period of time. And I rarely run races for training. And so it, it's sort of like, it's real, it's rewarding when I finish well, but it's, then if I have a, a DNF, like I did, then I have a huge chunk of my year where I don't race. And so it's kind of the risk and reward of, of like doing it that way. And, but like, I think, you know, just maybe jumping ahead with 2020, I would maybe be more willing to jump into some races to get a little bit more, uh, just maybe training races under my belt. We'll see. Yeah, that'll be exciting. Hopefully you can hop in some of those uh, Ohio 50Ks and whatnot. Yeah, I love Ohio races. <laughs> <laughs> Nick knows that. Who yeah. wants to take the lead on second here? I'll go second. Oh, sweet. So, uh, yeah, my year kind of early on got a pretty quick uh, shakeup. Uh, got a got a new job out here in Denver, so uh, signed up for a bunch of races that I was really excited about, and then uh, unfortunately races like Ohio Backyard Ultra went to the back burner. Had to drop out of that. Uh, still made it to Mount Mitchell, but uh, I think just in terms of training, I wasn't really consistent early on. I was just kind of trying to adjust. Um, also have a brand new like two hours a day commute here, so. That's really fun to try and navigate um, and just a new job, not to make excuses. I mean, I have plenty of chances to get the miles in. I don't have kids. I don't have a family or anything like that. Um, but I just kind of didn't really have the motivation just to go out there and train, um, which that's kind of typical for me anyways. I don't really love the training. I love the racing. Um, and I, it doesn't uh, make or break a race for me, whether or not I finish high or finish low or anything like that. I just, I really enjoy the experience. So I had a lot of fun, uh, getting to see a lot of new places in Colorado this year. Um, I went and raced in Telluride and, uh, had, I guess a, a, a few more DNFs than I'd like a uh, big DNF at Thunder Bunny 50 K that wasn't very fun. Uh, but, uh, still had a lot of fun this year. So. Awesome. So I know that like you were, uh, we talking about like, getting a new job and whatnot. You got that new job like a week before Mount Mitchell, right? You like flew out to Denver basically and you told them like, Hey, if I accept this job, I have to be able to come back to run Mount Mitchell. Is that 
kind of like what happened or yeah yeah so like the first week was kind of just onboarding and training and uh supposed to be monday through friday and i was like look i could start a month later for the next training cycle or you guys could just give me friday off so uh they gave me friday off so i could travel uh travel back here yeah my very first week of being here that's awesome that's awesome travis i know you uh excited for this one so I'll let you have yeah. it yeah um so unlike michael i race a lot well at least a lot more um i jump in a lot of like local ohio races um and i think it's mainly just for you know it gives me more motivation to go run like a fast i don't know i usually only do like 50ks around ohio um but it's it's kind of what i use for my speed workouts i guess i mean i don't want to like say like a 50k is easy because any 50k can still beat you up um but i'd say in general I, I i race a little bit more just because of i try to use some of those races around here um to tone up to tune up for some of my what i would consider bigger races on my schedule um but you know same as nick same as wes same as Mike. Um, I went down to Mount Mitchell this year. Um, I was kind of hesitant about even racing that race. And then of course, last minute I decided I was going to, um, we did like a five mile run the day before and it was feeling really good. Um, but I had some lingering Achilles issues that it's always kind of bothered me. And sometimes when it flares up and you still want to keep training. Um, but I think I was, probably halfway back down at Mount Mitchell when I was in third, um, and I DNF'd, um, after that, I think, I can't remember exactly what race was next. I think it was, um, I want to say one of those Ohio races. I think it was buzzard day. Um, I think I kind of felt like I was, you know, feeling good again and wanted to jump into 50 K. Um, so I, I ran a 50k in Ohio before as, as like a kind of tune up, I think for GDR, um, was doing well at GDR and then DNF there too. Um, I just, uh, you know, between a few different things, some of that was Achilles flare up. Um, some of it was, you know, a little disappointment in you know, how things were going, uh, from, you know, the actual race standpoint as it was, uh, you know, there was a lot of issue with uh, the course markings, um, and that and that can really. I think I was in second place uh, when I got lost, and it wasn't just me; it was quite a few people. Um, it really kind of took my hat out of the race, and you know, when you're racing up front, and you know, you know, there's some other really competitive people in there. Um, it can it can kind of take you out of the race. Not not that I I'm saying I probably could have finished, but I was still having some Achilles issues as well. <clears throat> um, so I, I, I pulled out of that one probably, probably a little bit too prematurely. Um, but, uh, you know, it, it is what it is. Um, after that, we moved on to promised land, uh, felt good again ish. Didn't really have much training going into that. I took quite a bit of time off between GDR and promised land, even though they were both pretty early season races. Um, but finished that one felt strong and felt like I was, you know, feeling good again. Um, then, uh, I completely forgot. I think I just blocked this out of my memory, but, uh, did 77 miles at Mohican and 
Uh, DNF there. Uh, <laughs> I have a lot of DNFs this year. I have four. <laughs> I just <laughs> I didn't realize that until I just wrote them all down. <laughs> um, technically five, if you want to count that big. Uh, I did Bob's backyard with you, Wesley. Sorry, uh, I made yeah. some other stuff here. Um, I, you know, I, I don't think that was for me to say. I was. I mean. It, it, it was it was a fun style of race. Um, it's not my style of race. Um, you know, it was on a good piece of property, but I, it's not really it's not what I like to do in running. Like once I get in the once I'm kind of in my zone and I'm running, I'm just going to keep doing it. I don't want to be forced to you know say I'm not supposed to run right now or have to take a break. Um, but I think it's a great format for a lot of people that are trying to meet distance goals um then i went out to uh i had a really good lead up to my next race which was run rabbit run 100 miler in steamboat and uh again dnf'd but i had a pretty nasty injury during that race um that you know i i would have kept going um if if i was even capable of going uh my ankle swelled up to about the size of a grapefruit i cracked it pretty bad um, as I was coming down the mountain and, you know, took a pretty bad tumble. Um, <clears throat> but then, uh, you know, so DNF there again. So we're, we're somewhere between four and five DNFs right now. Um, then Regal Beagle 50K, just a local, you know, 50K around Ohio, just trying to get, trying to make sure I was just back, back in shape at least. Um, ran a decent time there. It's, it's relatively flat. Um, but it was kind of as a preparation for Hellgate 100K, um, which was just a little bit later, um, three weeks, four weeks later, um, and, and felt good for that and finished that as well. Yeah, I mean, your year is probably the most interesting one to follow from like an outside perspective, obviously. It's just like the ups and downs and uh, everything that you went through this year. It's kind of crazy. Yeah. I, I think, you know, looking at it from last year, I, I had a really consistent year, no real big injuries or setbacks. And then to have to deal with some of them this year made it, you know, a little bit more emotional, whereas like, ah, this running stuff's stupid. Um, but really, at the end of the day, it's, it's you know, it, I still enjoy it. So I'm probably not going to stop anytime soon. <laughs> well, that's good to hear. That's good to hear. John, are you next? Yeah, sure. Well, for me, for this year, I had one one goal. I think I only ran one official race, and that was to do the Burning River uh, 50 mile. And pretty much all year was focused on getting through that race, and I, I got through it, but, you know, there was always there was some ups and downs during it where I power walked the last 18 miles because my knee was injured, and I couldn't walk down the hill straight. I had to sidestep down all the hills. Um, going up was fine, but I think at some point earlier in the race, um, I got like really excited about the race and was kind of like not going with my strategy and just following and running with people. And so I was like bombing downhills way faster than I should have been. I wasn't trained for that type of impact or whatever. So I think that's what caused my knee to get hurt. But, you know, I looked at the clock at midnight when I got to like mile 31 or whatever. And I was like, I can walk, I can make it. And that was the whole goal was finish. I mean, I wanted to finish in 12 hours or less, but I, you know, it's still finished first one. So I was excited for that. So that was pretty much it. Took a couple months off after that and then restarted kind of building up a, a strong base again. So I can go into next year's goals. 
So yeah, and for those those that don't know the burning, oh my bad, Michael. Those that don't know the burning river fifty. There's a daytime fifty and a nighttime fifty. So John, I think you started the nighttime fifty yeah. around like what six o'clock? Six p.m. So I started that. And the sole intent was to get that nighttime experience and get the experience of the course overnight for next year's goal. Nice. What about you, Wes? You ran quite oh, a few man. races. <laughs> I actually only think I ran four races. I think uh, if I'm correct. I, I took a minute for me to reflect on this year because uh, it was a weird year. I only ran, I checked the stats yesterday, I only ran on 48% of days. So 52% of days I just did not run. But with that being said, I had two pretty good races and another another good race, I'd say, uh, for myself. So I started the year, like I said, with these guys said at Mount Mitchell. I'd gotten eighth place finish there. Easily probably my best complete ultra. Uh, I got up, I think I was a uh, just up and down the mountain so i think i was fifth at the top probably dropped a few spots on the way down uh i'm better uphill runner anyway so after that race three weeks later was uh ohio's backyard ultra and i was feeling really primed and confident for that race i had my best training block ever basically going into that race and uh didn't work out i ended up stopping at like mile 83 i thought i was going to go at least 120 ish that day i thought uh that i had it in me and basically, I don't really know. I think I just got behind the clock in a format like that. When you only have to run like four miles in an hour, I came into the aid station in a loop period twice with like two minutes of spare. And when you just start getting behind the clock like that, it's just really hard to recoup and get I'll back add, out there. I'll add, I'll add a note to your backyard ultra run, Wes, since cool. I was there for all loops. Sleeping I think, on what, I think what got you behind was the Porta John. Yeah, probably. I mean, when you have to stop for all that stuff, so. Uh, you had some stomach issues there, right? Yeah, I think that was what inevitably, uh, with my downfall at uh, OB OBU, is some stomach stuff and not being able to like really push past that. So Tim Crow says uh, in the chat below, 120 plus. So he uh, definitely got me that day. But uh, yeah, it's, it was a fun one. But I definitely was more motivated after that race just because I – didn't do as well as I thought I did. Like I remember, like a week, less than a week later, I was doing the hit repeats. Probably I shouldn't have been, but like I was just so frustrated how things went, and so I decided to hop into Bob's Big Timbers Backyard Ultra, the other Ohio Backyard Ultra, about six weeks after OBU. And at that one, my goal going into that was kind of like just hit 100 miles, and from there just figure it out. And then, but the problem that I ran into is like once you say, okay, I'm just going to hit 100 miles it's hard to get yourself to get out of that mindset, like to go further. So with like 20 miles ago, I was like, okay, I'm just hitting a hundred. I'm just going to hit a hundred. And then when I did that, I just checked out. So did a hundred at Bob's backyard ultra. And that was in May. And then I took the summer off. Essentially. I don't think I ran too much. I was like dealing with some, uh, some pain in the legs, just some soreness. I thought I could bounce back and run Mohican, but I was like super sore for most of the early summer. Got some good training in towards the end of the summer uh, and ran the Shawnee 50. Uh, that was probably my best complete race outside of <laughs> Mount Mitchell. I uh, got fifth at Shawnee 50. Uh, super competitive race this year after like it not really thought it was going to be on paper, but there were some really quick times. So uh, overall, interesting year for me having like two pretty good performances at Mount Mitchell and Shawnee, but the backyard ultras, I don't really know how to feel about them. 
Nice. So maybe I'll, I'll comment real quickly on, you know, I think part of the reason I don't race that much is because I direct races. And so um, I direct five races a year. And so I sort of look at those as my races as well. You know, obviously I don't place in them, but, uh, but yeah, so that takes up a lot of my time, but it was, it was really awesome. You talk about backyard ultra West, that was a new race for me to direct. And it was, probably by far my favorite race to direct um just to be able to see every contestant every loop every hour basically and being able to hang out at the start finish line um that ended up being probably my favorite race experience of the entire year and so uh you might not have had a great experience but uh i know the spectators definitely did that was a lot of fun oh yeah um, I mean, I'll, go for it uh, travis i was gonna say i would i would second that from a spectator standpoint that is an awesome format to watch because you never have to move and you get to see a runner all the time um so it's it it's it keeps you engaged but then there's still a lot of people there that don't you know you're hanging out with don't it, it, it was basically like a you know big celebration party of running and just hanging out with other people who run um, which which made that format and just that one general aid station really really kind of cool. <laughs> yeah, there's something really special about the backyard format, and we've been seeing people just absolutely crush those distances. So it's been awesome to follow along. Kind of moving past 2019, we're already into 2020. Uh, what's everyone's goals for 2020? I know that uh, some of this is it's kind of fresh on your mind, obviously being the new year, but. Uh, Let's start off with Nick here. What's uh, some of your goals for this year? Uh, I feel like I'm kind of saying the same thing I do almost every year, but just trying to be more consistent, um, kind of find that groove of, of training. Uh, but I'm not gonna I'm not gonna race any less than I normally do. So I think I've got uh, ten or eleven ten or eleven races probably uh, on the calendar. So excited to get back to Promised Land. I would really like to that that's kind of like my early early uh, year focus i'd say i'd really like to crack six hours on that course which is going to be a tall task considering i'm a lot lot less fit than i was uh two years ago when i ran that one so that race is first uh not to steal a little of michael's thunder but i'm also in the leadville 100 lottery so Better we'll see here that. in <laughs> we'll see here in about uh two and a half weeks uh, if, if I get into that one, but that will be, that'll take over a lot of the focus, but, um, and then two, two really cool races, um, on my calendar that I have are, uh, speed goat and the rut. So both of those are 50 Ks that, um, I think by all accounts are, are probably the two toughest 50 Ks in the country. Um, they're just really slow, steep, um, nasty terrain kind of races. And, and that's, that's what I like. Any any chance I can run a little less is better for me. Always good yeah. not to run. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> uh, Michael? Um, yeah, looking forward. Um, just uh, after Hellgate there a few weeks ago, or two weeks ago, I, I took a little break. And so I just started running the last couple of days, last few days, and uh, setting my sights on the 2020 here as the new year approached. And... Um, like Nick, I'm running uh, Promised Land. That's always, or well, 
for now four years, it's been like my springtime focus. Um, that race is really special for lots of reasons. Um, and it's become kind of my springtime focus. Um, so, you know, fourth year in a row, I finished for, uh, first there last year and then three years ago and second the other year. And so I'd like to, um, I guess at this point, I'm running against a clock at that race. Um, I'd love for it to be a really competitive race because that means the entire top of the race would be faster. But um, for some reason, that course record on, the, on that course is just really, really, it would just it would just mean a lot to me to get it. And uh, the mentor, Eric Grossman, he got me into ultra running. One of my first mentors in the sport has that course record. And uh, I, I watched him set that course record that day. And so I'd, I'd love to go down there and just give that a run because it's super stout. And it takes a lot of things to go right, a little bit of luck and a little bit of competition to get it. And so I'll be focusing on that in the spring with Mount Mitchell before that again. And then um, my summer is kind of dependent on the lotteries, like Nick said. I'm in Leadville lottery. Um, so I'll find out here at the end of the year or end of the month about that. And if I don't get into Leadville, odds are I'll probably go out west and do like the Bighorn 100 miler or something in that range um or maybe even do the bighorn and leadville it's two they're two months apart and so um those are some of the things i'm thinking about at least and then kind of a, a switch up here recently i got an email from laz lazarus lake here and uh i'm in the top 20 of the wait list for his big dogs backyard ultra and that's an october race and that's like the you know that's the original big um backyard ultra and that's you know kind of this as he calls it, the world championship backyard ultra now. And so, you know, if I do get in that race, I'd hope I find out earlier than later. And then, uh, you know, after my summer of like Leadville or whatever, I would probably focus on that race. And so that might just end my year. Would you ever stop in a backyard ultra? Or are you going to run like 400 miles at that time? <laughs> I mean, when you're out there training, like I did a four mile run this morning. <laughs> I was like, oh, I could do this, you know, for days and days and days. But then obviously, like, I have no idea. I never ran past 100 and, you know, 101 miles. So I have no idea. I have a lot of curiosity. I think that's the main thing for me is just curiosity and competition. And um, that race at that, you know, at that venue would be, you know, those two things would be exposed. And so I'd probably do a lot worse than what I think I would. How would you train for it? I know you have some pretty specific uh, ideologies behind how one should train for a backyard ultra. So, uh, how would, how are you going to go about it if you get the chance to uh, run well, the just race? Just like just like in all of life, it wasn't that I necessarily that I had a lot of ideologies about how to do it. I had a lot of ways to not do it, <laughs> like uh, you know what Isaac and Ian Akers was doing there last year. But uh, I'm just a hater on on the certain training methods. But uh, I was actually thinking about kind of the motto for my backyard ultra would be it's not how long you can run 14 23 pace per hour for four miles it's it's how long you can run 14 23 pace in the worst of conditions so like i would train for that you know like you can't just go run 14 23 pace you know for training when you're feeling good you have to put yourself in situations where you're feeling really really bad maybe in bad weather or whatever you know and then can you run 14, 23 pace for hours upon hours? So I think that's where some people kind of get like, they get lost in the training. They're like, Oh, all I have to do is train for 14, 23 pace. But like, that's not what you're training for. You're training on running 14, 23 pace. When you're 
150 miles into the race. So that doesn't really answer the question, but that's at least a, an idea. Yeah, that's awesome. Anything else to close out your year? Or um, you know, my poor performance at Hellgate there, you know, I didn't get that puffy jacket, so I'd love to go back and finish top 10 and, and uh, do, you know, just run a little bit more of my potential. But um, that race, you don't like have to sign up or send in your application until like October. And so, uh, yeah, that's just like one of those things, like I would love to do it if I'm feeling good for it and approach it with a good attitude. Yeah, Eric Anderson in the chat said, I was proud to see Michael push through Hellgate as a mid-packer. It's nice to see an elite not quit and push through on a tough day for everyone. Yeah, well, I quit it Mohican, and so I didn't want to have that feeling again. Yeah, that's awesome. Travis, the horse, you going to get back on it this year? Um, we'll see. Um, feeling good, feeling you know, kind of rejuvenated. Uh, like Mike said, I – I took some time off as well. I mean, not as, not as much, but, um, you know, I last two weeks I've been running once, twice a week, just really kind of, you know, spending time with family and, um, not, not really doing a whole lot outside of that. Um, but for next year, um, probably won't start up anything till March. Um, I'm either going to do just a, Ohio 50k or uh, I think I might go down to Virginia for uh, the Belmont 50 miler um, then in April um, I've got Mike's little 13 mile half marathon that turns into basically a road race even though it's like 2,000 feet of climbing um, there's going to be a, a few pretty fast guys there uh, that, that would be Iron Furnace um, and then two weeks later in April, Promised Land 50K, um, which, you know, hopefully I, I can bring a little bit more speed there this year. Um, I was probably 15, 16 minutes back from Michael um, coming off an injury, not really well trained. So I'd really like to improve my performance there. I, 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 I ran well there last year. Um, I just think I have potential to do a lot better there. That race suits me pretty well as, as well. I mean, I know Michael, it suits him really well, but I, I, I think I didn't show my best performance there, uh, not even close. Um, May, probably just to keep with things. Um, I have a backup race if I don't get into my lottery, um, but if I do get into my lottery race, I'll probably just do like a local 50K. Um, and then August is the lottery race. Um, so I'm in the wait list lottery for Cascade Crest. Um, so that's August 29th. Uh, I really hope I get into that race. Um, I really, really, really want to race that. And I need a hard rock qualifier again this year because my ticket expires. Um, so my backup race, if I don't get into Cascade, is Cruel Jewel. I don't really want to run that race, um, but I think I'm going to. Um, so I, but I really hope I get into Cascade Crest. Um, it's just a beautiful race. I've heard nothing but good things about it. Um, so we'll see. Um, you know, if, if the season's just rolling right along and, you know, things are feeling good, if this goes anything like 2018, um, I might do Pinhoti 100. Um, and then I might, I'll more than likely end in December with Hellgate 100K because I would like another puffy jacket. <laughs> That's awesome. John, I know that you're uh, 
probably the next one that's training for a hundred mile right now. Do you want to take over here? Sure. Yeah. So <clears throat> given with my, uh, running the back 50 for burning river this past year, you know, it was intentional to get that nighttime experience going into, um, this year for burning river 100. Um, that's my like main goal is to get my first hundred under my belt. So I've got, um, the rocks and roots trail series coming up here in next weekend, I think. Yeah. Next weekend. And then a month later in February as well, they're both 50 Ks. I think Jason Roop's in the chat and he's, I think he said he was going to be there as well. Are you running the 50 K? Um, I talked to him a few weeks ago and he said he was cool. Um, so the nice thing I like about that race is it's in January, February. So it's like miserable. So it's ideally for a good mental trainer and it's a loop course. So I can kind of, if I need to call it quits cause I'm freezing or whatever I can, but it's not the goal. And then I think after that, I want to do, I'm going to go back around for a third time at Athens marathon just cause such a boring race, but for some reason it was my first marathon. So like, you know, I like to come back and do it every once in a while, I guess. Um, and then me and my sister are trying to get into the seven mile bridge run down in Florida. Has you ever heard of that? No, but I'm into it. But yeah, so it's like really hard to get into it, but you, you run across, they close the whole side of the bridge and you get to run the seven miles down there in April. Um, and it's like a big old party afterwards. So kind of excited to do that one more of a fun race, but, and then I've been look. I'm trying to find some sort of maybe 50 mile or hundred K early spring to line up for the burning river. And then after that, I have nothing planned after the burning river. I'm kind of going to let myself recover. I don't know how I'm going to do. I don't know how my legs will do. So I want to make sure I have enough time to recover from that. And then maybe, uh, sign up for something in the fall if I feel good, but if not a big deal. So. Yeah, no, your road to 100 series has uh, been fun to follow along. So, yep, we should have a couple, this year. couple more episodes coming out real soon. Um, it's been difficult with the holidays to get that kind of editing done, especially not being here at the house with the computer to edit with. So, no doubt, no Lots doubt. Well, Dalavaki family too, right, John? Huh? Lots of cookies in your family too. Oh right? yeah, um, I got some to drop off at the running store. So if anyone visits OVRC at some point, I got some some cookies to go there, but. I did not gain any weight this holiday season, though, with all those cookies, which I was pretty happy about. So that's a good goal. I maintained. That's a win. Yep. That's a win. Looks well, like you some <laughs> we'll see if I uh, have some more wins in uh, 2020. Uh, right now, I decided I didn't really know what my goals for the year would be. I said yesterday on Strava, I don't know if I'm going to run 300 miles this year or 3,000. Uh, feel like that's like if we were doing Vegas odds, I feel like it'd be somewhere in the middle there. But uh, the past two years, I've actually been down on the mileage train. Back in 2017, I ran about 2,500 miles. In 2018, I ran 22. This past year, I was at just over 1,800. So uh, two down years again. And I just kind of want to get back onto the maybe more consistency and trying to like build up to higher mileage, basically. So I think for me, is I'm just going to start the year off like how I did 2017 with a run streak. Uh, I don't know. I don't think it'll last all year long. But kind of just getting that consistency, like, hey, I'm going to run every single day. So that's basically my big goal for 2020 right now. I'm in the last two days. I have run. I ran one mile yesterday, and I ran uh, I ran today. So uh, that's two, two, two for two so far. Uh, my, I am in Mount Mitchell Challenge uh, coming up in February. I'm definitely not as in shape as I was last year. I'm on the wait list for Ohio's Backyard Ultra, just kind of seeing if how the 
things fall there if I'm in that one. Uh, Cam Wrench has been trying to convince me to run the Wham 100, uh, Gary Robbins race in September. So uh, I don't think it'll happen, but hopefully I can just backload my year with like a Shawnee 50 and then a 100 miler after the Shawnee 50. So that's most likely my big game plan. Sweet. But this, uh, we had some pretty solid runners for uh, Ohio Ultra Runner of the Year this year. Uh, it was, I mean, we have five or six contestants, finalists on men and women's side. Uh, let's give some love to last year's. We got Travis Zippel is here, our inaugural men's Ohio Ultra Runner of the Year last year. And uh, Lee Connor also was last year's winner. Uh, so what? What John, you couldn't get Lee Connor on the show? <laughs> I'm sure. I'm sure we could have. I think but, she would have loved it. Oh, definitely. She we'll have to, it. We'll have get, yeah, yeah, we'll have to get her on. You guys are. She would have. She would have had a good beer. She would have had a good beer to share with us too. Definitely, definitely better than Michael. Better than Michael for sure. But uh, John, you want to kind of start going through some of these performances let's start on the men's side uh yeah. these are kind of in no order these are just who we thought were the top five finalists for ohio's ultra runner of the year and then from there we're going to open up voting for about the next three days or so and then ridge runner nation can vote on who they think the ultra runner of the year is in ohio and uh we'll go from there so go yeah. for it john cool let's jump in first first name up here we got is Aaron glick he's uh Got a second place finish at Fools 50K, as well as a first place finish in the Cleveland Trail Championship 50Ks. First place finish at Mohican this year. Canal Corridor 100, 100 first place. Burning River 51 first place, and JFK 50 Miler 15th place. So, does anyone have any comments about Arlen Glick's performance this year? I'll just start off by commenting and say that uh, if I was voting on an official panel or like a, a voting panel of Ohio's ultra run of the year i would probably wait 100 milers a little bit more i know like in the national ultra run of the year panelists I, I know some of them have have stated that they like wait 100 milers a little bit more and so i i think that arlen's two 100 mile wins like you know not everybody is winning 100 mile races um are probably you know we'll look at the other ones but i think that sets him potentially ahead of the rest and so yeah, that was impressive. Yeah, I mean, Arlen ran Mohican 100 on June 15th, and less than a month later, ran 14.19 the Canal Corridor 100. And then, oh, two weeks later, decided to hop in the Burning River 50, where he won that race and ran seven hours and 24 minutes. So, I mean, just his month there alone is was just incredible. So, And 14.19 at the Canal Corridor for 100 yeah, miles. moving. Yeah. All right, next up, we got Alex Gold. Got a first place finish in the South Mountains 50K, 424. Uh, first place at Thunder Bunny 50K this year, 349. And then we've got a first place 50 from Mohican, 644. And Wasatch, wow, how did I say that? I only messed that one up, didn't I? Wasatch 100, like 12th place, 25 hours. And the North Face uh, 50 California, 25th place in 747. All right, Nick, how do you weigh Alex's performance this year? Well, so going off of like what Michael said, I think, uh, I think hundred milers are certainly a plus, um, in terms of voting ultra runner of the year. I think looking at 
competition and also time. Um, you know, what kind of performance they put up is important um, when weighing those things. So 50 milers and things like that are certainly good. But for Alex, um, I mean, that CR at, at Thunder Bunny is super impressive. You know, might have even been a little faster uh, had he had the course markings been in place uh, for him to just blow right through. Um, and then I, I really like uh, the Mohican time is, is huge, but I really like the fact that he is challenging himself going after a race like Wasatch. Uh, that's a super tough hundred miler, um, probably something that's way outside of his comfort zone. Um, and he just went out there and I think put in a pretty, pretty solid performance, probably went through some, some tough times during that race, but still gutted it out for a good, a good finish for such a young guy. And then closing the year with that, that North face race. Um, I know, you know, Michael's run that one a couple of times as well. And I've been there. It's a really hard course, even though it's runnable, it's still 10,000 plus feet of climb and descent. So that's, that's still a, a super good, a good year to someone who's really new in, in the sport. And I think, um, someone you can put right in that is who we just talked about is Arlen, someone who's steadily progressing as a new new face in the sport. I think it's kind of interesting too, like, you know, there's some more names on our list here, but those two are sort of maybe stand out from the rest a bit. Um, although there's another name down below that I think has some solid, had a solid year. But uh, if you just compare like the end of the year races for Arlen and Alex, gold at so like jfk versus north face um i don't definitely know how alex's day went but uh i would definitely say north face is more competitive than jfk like way more competitive um but i do know that arlen didn't have a very good day either and he finished 15th at like you know the oldest ultra marathon in the country and so um it, it's just it's it's kind of interesting to compare those two because um they're both pretty young. They both had a really good first half of the year. And then, uh, you know, like their least impressive performances were at the end of the year, um, but very competitive races. So, um, like Nick said, you got to give them props for like putting their nose into some pretty competitive races. You know, that, that shouldn't get you any like bonus points or anything because it's still about the result in these rankings. And so, uh, that's what I'm looking at. But, uh, I would I would pick uh, I would vote Arlen in front of Alex just by a hair. Well, I'm glad that you're not voting because you're next on the list here, uh, John. Do you <laughs> well, want to? I already told you guys that I, I wouldn't <laughs> even put myself in like the top fifty. You still got some impressive times and finishes here. I mean, you've got the Mount Mitchell Challenge where you got second place this year. You got first place at Promised Land. Um, not so good at Mohican. Uh, Hellgate, you did pretty, I mean, just tw 20th place. I mean, you're still like pretty quick. And then JFK, like, I mean, that's, that right there is extremely impressive, I think. And that was a really hard, you know, stacked group with um, the first place, second place, you know, them guys reaching like 530s or whatever on that. That's just like yeah, very impressive and hard to compete with. But overall, I, I mean, I think it's a good, good year for you still. Yeah. Like I said, I, I was happy with the year, but I think in terms of like ranking against other people, I just, once again, like last year, I didn't have the volume, didn't have like the quantity of races. And then like last year, I had a big win at the Grindstone 100. This year, I didn't have a 100 finish. So that's why I don't even think I'd put myself on the top five of this of this list here. Well, you made it. I think, so. if, I think, I think if you don't put, I think if you don't put Michael Owen in front of those results, 
I think I'm not that, saying I wouldn't face that, off that belongs at any time of the year, but <laughs> I'll put myself against them any day, but just, uh, you know, you just got to go with results. So Arlen, I beat him head to head. I basically got Alex lost in my one race that he came to. And so <laughs> Arlen got you at a uh, Mohican though, whether you count it or not in your head. I didn't even run that race. <laughs> I'll, I'll just find out. <laughs> All right, kind of going off the next person here, the fourth person is uh, who I think had one of the most impressive years of his running career, and that's Gabe Rainwater. Gabe had an unbelievable year. He, Ohio's back at Ultra, he got second place, 125 miles. Six weeks later, he copied me, said, I'd do Bob's backyard Ultra, except he got second place there again, 133 miles. Then went to Mohican 100, where he finished his. He ran his best Mohican time ever. He's done that race a billion times. He got third place in 1841. Uh, North Coast, 24 hours. He made it 110 miles in third place. Uh, Big's backyard ultra. He went down there and crushed his other two backyard ultra performances. 150 miles there, 11th place at the NF thing. Uh, and then ended the year with a tough race at uh, Bigfoot 50K, where he actually struggled a little bit. I went back on his travel to make sure that, like, did run that race and <laughs> he got 12th there so uh pretty awesome year for gabe he just had so much volume and uh travis i know you have some thoughts on your at some of gabe's races so oh yeah i mean so the like i think he had an absolutely spectacular year but um it, it's just really hard to look at um how do you weight these um you know, I think he found his niche and it is, you know, he can outlast many, he, he is an incredibly strong runner. Um, but it's where do you get, um, you know, how do you, like, if you were going to say this is, uh, it's hard to wait. Um, some of the backyard ultras, incredible places and i think he's gonna outlast everybody except for maybe one person on this list um but i i think he is just an incredibly strong runner and you know mohican he absolutely crushed it after you know last year 2018 i talked to him and i think i ran like an 1830 there last year and he ran an 1840 this year I remember talking to him. He's like, oh, I'd cut off my back. I'd cut off my right leg for a time like that. And then he goes and just basically puts down that same exact time the next year. Um, I mean, you can't even speak to how good of a year he actually had. And I think he really found his niche with uh, kind of the last man standing races. Um, so I, I think he had a spectacular year. It, it doesn't look as pretty as like, you know, wins at, you know, 100 milers or wins at 50 milers. But, you know, it's really hard to gauge how well he did, but it's, you know, 125 miles, 130 miles, 150 mile. Like not a lot of people are going out there doing that. It's true. Yeah. I mean, if I think you the thing, one, go for it. The thing, the thing I have to say about Gabe is, you know, and this, this can't really uh, be factored into necessarily maybe ultra runner of the year voting um, because you're just looking at this year, but this guy has just gotten better every single year you know sometimes of course there's like a down year mohican or something like that but the guy's got 12 finishes at mohican i remember two years ago 
his goal was just to crack 20 hours. And like Travis said, like going, you know, mid 18 hours like that is just so impressive. And even looking at those backyard ultra results, every single one he's just gotten better at. So it's almost just like whatever he puts his mind to, whatever he starts working at, he's getting better. And I don't, I don't expect him to slow down anytime soon. Yeah. I mean, it's absolutely crazy what uh, you did this year. John, do you want to yeah, sure. finish we got, wrap this up here? Um, this next name has been mentioned multiple times already in the chat, but Harvey Lewis had a fantastic year as well. Uh, with first place finished at the beginning of the year at Rocks and Roots 50K, his third place at Long Haul 100, um, fourth place Iron Furnace. He ran 156 miles for second place at Dawn to Dusk 24 hour. And a uh, very impressive finish with third place at Badwater 135 this year. Uh, North Coast 24 hour first place 130 miles. And then even got a 14th, 14th place finish at the IAU 24-hour world championship, which was in France this year with 160 miles. So like very, very stout uh, series of runs this year for him. So here's my bold take of the night. I think Harvey Lewis is the Ohio ultra run of the year. I know I said that Arlen was ahead of Alex, but Harvey is ahead of Arlen. So he would be my vote. I, you know, whenever voting comes out tomorrow, that you guys put that out. I'm voting Harvey Lewis first because his best performance, in my opinion, was the IAU 24 World 24 Hour World Championship. He finished 14th place. It's you know, it wasn't like he was on podium, but um, he ran 160 miles. He made the world team, you know, which is only seven people from America do that, and then he PRs in that distance. And he also was a very important piece of the American team winning world. Um, winning the gold medal at the world championship. And so, you know, not, you know, stack that on top of third place at Badwater, you know, arguably one of the hardest, most grueling foot races in the world, you know. Um, so that's my vote. Harvey. You're just saying that because he ran the pawpaw four miler. I mean, that puts him over the edge <laughs> a little bit. It's the cherry on top. The pawpaw on top. That's the pawpaw on top. <laughs> and the iron furnace. Yeah, I mean, I like Harvey. You know, it's nice that a lot of these guys have ran my races, and so I've gotten to know a little bit of them a little bit. But uh, Harvey's a standout guy. He's done so much for the sport in Ohio and, and Cincinnati and, and all around this region um, and worldwide. I mean, I just saw he ran a run in his 100th country uh, just recently. So he's a world traveler. and really inspires people his he's a teacher he he commutes to school every day and and so yeah i'm not weighing this stuff into the voting but uh what he does on top of that is really incredible and so ready for the win yeah so to recap the men's finalists it's arlen glick alex gold michael owen gabe rainwater and harvey lewis so those are your top five male finalists for ohio's male ultra runner of the year now on the lady side, this is where things one comment, got really. Sorry, one, one comment. <laughs> Go for it. Just to throw the thought here. The oh, the last year's winner didn't <laughs> didn't even make the <laughs> finalist fail. So that's just. I mean, I just wanted to say that. It, it could be considered as a Madden curse. You know, like once you win it the next year, you're gonna kind of have a little down year. We'll see if it plays. Yeah, out that little it. that little badge that he sewed sewed onto his puffy jacket that says O U R O Y was a curse. Yep. 
But all right, so let's move over to the, the ladies' side. There were some awesome results here. I mean, there's we were going through it before the show. Uh, we were going back and forth on like five to seven different names. And I think we finally got it settled down. John, do you want to start us off at the top here? Sure thing. First up, we've got Connie Gardner with a early February finish. First place finish at Jackpot Ultra 100, 18 hours, 15 minutes. A fourth place finish at the Super Bowl 50K. Second place finish at the Burning River 120 hours. Six days in the dome, first place, 420 miles. Tussie, 50 miler, fifth place, and Tunnel Hill, 105th place. So good, good year for her. So what do we got on? We got on that. Any comments? Yeah, Nick, do you want to take this one? Sure. Yeah. So I mean, Connie's just a pretty much a legend in Ohio. I think anybody who runs. Uh, trail races or ultras especially in northeast ohio um, knows her name Um, she's known way outside of ohio too she's a staple of western states and a lot of those big races every year um for me i i mean she's always top five at burning river it seems and really close there Uh, but that six days in the dome result 420 miles i mean hard to even wrap your head around that and then the range of that too because you know, also not factored into this, but last year she was at uh, Desert Solstice and she, I think, I'm pretty sure she set a 50K record on the track there. So just, uh, you know, she's got a lot of range and she's she's always putting up these solid results. Next up on the list, we've got Emily Collins. And Wesley, do you want to go through some of her races? Yeah, Emily was a name that uh, I basically just found out about uh she ran some awesome races. I was going through, uh, she started the year off with the Comsat 50K. She got fourth place there in 404. Crazy. She ran, oh, here we go. Sia Sitch 47K. Anyone know that one? I knew that. I was catchy. <laughs> I was like, this is going to be like the run down over again. I have no idea how to say this name's race. But she got 18th place there. It's a pretty competitive race. Uh, dawn to dusk, 24 hours. She got 12th place, 65 miles. She bounced back quickly, though, and ran the Ethan Allen 24-hour race and got first place there with 118 miles. Just three week, two weeks after that, she ran the Burning River 100-miler and took first place there with time of 20 hours and one minute. Super quick turnaround there. Uh, she did a Spartathon 246. I don't really know what this is, but I know that Nick does. But uh, she got 17th place there in 33 hours and 59 minutes. So I don't know what that race entails, but it's a, a long time to get that one done and she oh, rounded out her one? yeah 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 oh that's uh yeah that's a pretty huge race right nick i think that's uh yep. like 17th it's place from there, to athens that? or sparta to that's athens a, or something like you know dean Carnes kind of yeah. made that famous and scott jurek won that race a couple times and uh like 17th place I, I i don't know like the depth of that field but i would imagine 17th is like you know you're up on a pretty high pedestal in athens greece there um if you can do that yeah. Yeah. So that was a huge race for her. And then she rounded out the year with Tallahassee 50K, taking first place there. So Emily had an awesome year all around, kind of doing a lot of different stuff. So cool. Next down on the list, we have uh, Alexandra Del Zappo. Did I say her last name? Yep. Um, oldie Gertie or oh, Oldie Girdle Grit 50K. I can't talk either. Old Girdle Grit. Old Girdle Grit. It's a Cleveland race. You should uh, know that. 
I've been an ass since 10 years. I don't know. <laughs> uh, first place, 420. Uh, the Ohio's Backyard Ultra, sixth place, if you want to call it a place, 75 miles there. The Lakeshore, four hour, first place, 31 miles. The Burning River, 103rd place. And the IAU 24 hour world championship in France, in 129th place with 71 miles. So, also a really good year and very impressive making it out over to the world championship. Yeah, I mean, just another solid year. The O24, I don't know if that's Ozark 24, I think it's the Kirtland race up in Cleveland as well, but second place there in 190 miles, solid race at Burning River and whatnot. So, she had a pretty stout year, had to include her on the top five for the finalists of this award. Going off next one, this person had a crazy year of running. Amanda DeBevec, another Cleveland runner. She ran 12 races, it looks like. I'm not going to count them here, but she also ran the Old Girl Grit 50K, second place there. Super Bowl 50K, first place there. Georgia Death Race, 14th place there. Heiner Trail 50K, third place there. Cruel Jewel 100, 10th place. World's End 100K, fifth place. Lost Turkey 50K, first place. Ute 100 miler, another big race, fourth place there. She decided to show up to this race called the Grindstone 100 miler. She took sixth place there. Mount Mascus for the heck of it. Why not? Second place there. Oh, let's just do another local Ohio race for Eagle Beagle 50K a couple weeks later. Third place there. And might as well close it out with one more race of the season in the Hellgate 100K where she took sixth place there. So, you guys want to talk about Amanda's big year? I'll just summarize real quick that list. Um, I think kind of like my ideas with like Harvey Lewis, you know, Emily Collins went over to Spartathlon internet, you know, like the world world type event and she finished in the top 20 and then she won burning river over top of Connie Gardner, who's also on this list. So you have to kind of like weigh the head to heads as well. And so, um, you know, Amanda, like Amanda, the Bevec has a really deep top, like five top 10 finish list. But she doesn't have like a defining win, whereas Emily Collins has that defining win plus the international top performance. Although, you know, what I, I do have to say, like Connie Gardner's six day thing, I have no idea how to judge a six day 420 miles. You know, 420 is a lot of miles, I would think. But, uh, and that's probably like an age group world record too, I would imagine with Connie. But, uh, but I would say like Emily, Emily's like defining Burning River win and her international performance at Spartathlon. Yeah, it was definitely those are some of the heavy hitters. Obviously, there's uh, two more. We actually have six on the women's side. Just couldn't really pick uh, between them. So we got Lee Connor here, and Lee also had a big year. She was last year's winner. Uh, she ran Georgia Death Race. She got eighth place there. We get the PR Mohican. She got first place there. Hellbender 100K took second. Eastern States took second, 100 miler there. Uh, the Idaho Mountain Trail Festival, this race I never heard of. Pretty big race though. Seventh place there. And then No Business 100 took third place there. So if you're looking for someone who just went out and like crushes 100 mile races, uh, Lee Connor. You haven't heard of the IMUTUF or whatever? I'm, I'm tough? Uh, not, no, I did not. You should check it out. It's, it's a really challenging. A uh, hundred miler, right? It's in September. Wes, you should put it on your schedule. Yeah, I mean, it's, it took her 31 hours and she got seventh. So it's a super tough race, I'm, I'm assuming. I think so, for a lot of the East Coast people, too, just 
a lot of people don't realize, and myself included until recently, how mountainous Idaho is. Idaho, they say if you take the, the elevation and flatten it all out, that Idaho, or if you flatten out every state, Idaho would be the biggest state in the whole country. And that's including California that has a huge area and the Sierras and all those big mountains too. But Idaho is super mountainous. Nick, you have a cigarette in your hand? It's a pen. Yeah. <laughs> gotcha. Sorry. He's taking notes. <laughs> Nick's definitely doing all of his homework for this, uh, getting this ready. He's the one who threw out this next name. So our finalist, final finalist on the women's side is Beth Bauer. And she ran three races this year, but just the magnitude and how she did in those three races, you have to include her on this race. So Marican 50 miler took second place there. Doggone 50 miler took second, first, first place there. And then the grindstone 100 miler, she won and she beat um, Amanda Bevec, I believe. So she got the head to head win there. Mm -hmm. So how do you think? In 24 that? hours. That's a really great time at grindstone too. Yeah, so it was just it was just super tough to obviously pick the women and the men this year. I think there were a lot of great results. Uh, like I said, recapping the women, it's Connie Gardner, Emily Collins, Amanda Debevic, Alexandra Del Zopo, Lee Connor, and Beth Bauer. So those are your six finalists for Ohio's Ultra Runner of the Year. Uh, pretty awesome stuff. I know uh, going a little bit over here, but uh, we'd love to talk a little bit about the Hellgate 100K that Travis and Michael ran. Uh, I know that they... Uh, Travis, you gotta go to bed. Uh, no, no, I'll call in sick tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> we appreciate I, I, the effort. About at least four hours of being awake. <laughs> awesome. So you guys ran uh, the Hellgate 100K. Was that like two weeks ago now? Uh, going on three weeks, really. I think. So how did that race go for you guys? Break us down. Maybe tell us a little bit about the race for people that don't know, and then kind of go into how your days went, or I should say night. So Hellgate is um, 100K, a.k.a. 66.6 miles, kind of fitting the bill of hell and the gates there. And uh, it's a race by Dr. Horton uh, down in Virginia mountains. And uh, it's 12.01 a.m. start, 14,000 feet of elevation gain, um, paper entry, and, you know, like two months before the race, and he sort of just, like, emails you in late October telling you, or, you know, you got into the race or not. And so kind of an old school race, been going on almost 20 years, I think. And, uh, uh, it's, it's just a really cool close knit community of runners. And you really feel that as first time I've done that race or even been to it. And, and you felt that at the race, you know, the director of the camp where the race starts, like he's not an ultra runner at all, but like he's, he's saying a song about Dr. Horton and Hellgate and, uh, you know, like a couple hundred people in the, in the room, just kind of like, listening to Horton talk for an hour and a half in his pre-race brief, which is very, very Horton-esque. So anyway, that's, that's like the synopsis of the race. It's, it's a very grueling race and weather always seems to dictate the race or, you know, be a central factor of the race. And so this year, uh, the weather was like mid thirties, maybe low thirties on some of the mountaintops or, um, and rain, you know, like, sort of the worst weather and it was pretty hard rain a lot of the time which was caused a little bit of fog at the top tops of the mountains and it also caused some ice on some of the gravel road and so it was pretty grueling some of the people that's ran the race lots of years said it was i think michael froze 
you lose Michael. <laughs> he appears to have frozen. Uh, where he was uh, talking is um, some of the people who have ran the race in past years uh, did state that this was, you know, uh, in contention for probably one of the worst years that, um, you know, they have had there. Uh, between, it, it would have been a little bit different. You know, it, it was about 34, 35 degrees, and it, it rained for about the first nine hours. So had it, you know, just dropped four more degrees and gotten down to 31, I think it would have been, you know, a lot more people would have had a, a little bit better day. Um, it was just really hard for some people to get their gear right. Um, I know I was kind of, you know, worried about what I was going to wear, what I was going to put on, you know, where my hands going to stay dry. Um, I, I've always struggled with issues with my hands. Um, but, um, overall, I mean, I think the fog slowed people down, the rain slowed people down. Um, you, oh, we got Michael back. So Michael, can you, you're on mute, but, um, you know, I'll, I'll go into how my race kind of went and, and then I guess we'll have Michael explain a little bit of how his went. Um, you know, I was, I was feeling pretty good, at least decently good for about the first 20, 25 miles. Um, and then, uh, about mile 25, maybe 26, um, just kind of started to lose some energy. Didn't really think about how far I actually had to run that day. Uh, it was kind of a weird, um, race for me because, you know, hundred K just, I, I, it doesn't sound like it's short. It's certainly far, but it just seems very easily obtainable um where you don't actually realize how far you know 100k is with 13 or 14,000 feet until you're out there halfway through it and you're like oh this is actually you know farther than i was kind of ready for um i think i let that get to me a little bit um and some other stuff but you know i had walked into i was in second first and second place um about mile 26 and uh, I, I walked in probably the last three or four miles um, to mile 30-ish aid station. Uh, everything was just soaked and uh, wasn't really having a good day. Um, by the time I got to mile 30 aid station, I think I was probably in like 13th, 14th, 15th place. I don't really know. Um, but finally got some food in me and, and ran out of there and everything started to click again. Um, and over the next you know, 30, 35 miles, I managed to work my way back up to fourth place, um, taking off a lot of people that had passed me when I was walking, or I think I was at the aid station for about 30 minutes. Um, but, you know, overall, I, I think I, I really do want to run it again, just to try and be more consistent, and, you know, focus some training towards it. I think, um, you know, I'm going to speak a little bit for Michael here, but I think him and I both kind of just put it on our race schedule, not really specifically training for it. It was just like, oh, it's end of the year. You know, we both ran a decent amount of miles this year. Um, let's see what we can do. Um, and, you know, it. I, I'd like to go into it next year with maybe a little bit more training. Definitely. Like, what time was it when you're at the aid station at mile? 38 like what time of night was it like four in the morning or something like that um 38 i don't think it was four in the morning i, I don't run 
38 miles in four hours. Um, but I'd say, yeah, six, six or so. I walked a little bit. Um, so it was, uh, yeah, his sun was coming up in the next two hours. Um, so just getting ready to, you know, starting to feel tired. Um, but got food in me, got some energy in me and was able to start pushing on again. For sure. Michael, are you back with us? I am back. I hope. Yeah. I think awesome. <laughs> Internet you want to just, just I know yeah. if you want to dive into your race and yeah. So at the top of the show, I had mentioned kind of my, in my recap of the year, how Hellgate might, might possibly have been maybe my worst performance from like a placement standpoint and time standpoint of all my ultras in my career. Um, but, but quite possibly, and, and probably the most rewarding to this point too. And, uh, and, you know, I only say that, you know, try not to, brag in, in terms of like 20th place being bad for me but in, in all you know in all cases i should finish you know like i do in some of my other virginia area races or mountain races that i've done in the past and so um you know probably should have been top five top 10 on a decent day and and uh i just had a lot of things go wrong from the start and um I can't even blame the weather because everyone was running the weather, you know, there for a while. I was like, Oh man, like I'm just doing horrible in the weather. And, uh, but you know, the, all, all 150 runners are running that weather, but you know, I, I do factor in like JFK being three weeks before and completely different race. Like Travis said, like, like, yeah, I was wanting to run well at Hellgate and, and train well for it. But I, I put all my training into JFK with like the specific training, flat, faster runs, completely different type of race you know jfk has like 2500 feet of gain the entire 50 miles and hellgate has that in the first climb and so my calves were jacked up from jfk and and maybe that was because of some poor training leading up jfk but um i felt that even in the very first like uphill at hellgate i felt my calves kind of locking up similar to like the way i felt after jfk and so i knew it wasn't going to be great in that regard but I thought I could just sort of run that out. And so I was kind of like in uh, top five there for the first 10 miles and then um, just sort of went through some low patches really early, like, you know, before 15 miles. And um, I, just, I don't know if I just didn't prepare from the with the cold and the rain and the clothing, but I just got so cold and um, would just have to like try to convince myself to run to stay warm and fell back like at mile 20 to like 20 something's place and then sort of rebounded. Um, you know, like I was kind of wanting to drop out and I was talking to some of the aid station workers and Dr. Horton and they like convinced me to move on and I'm glad they did. And so like I had a little like second wind in the middle of the race, like around 25 to 30 miles, got up to like 12th place again, getting close to top 10. And then, uh, just, I got so cold again, like around, uh, you know, 35 to 40 some miles. And, uh, I walked a lot, ate a lot of food, changed clothes a couple of times. And I was like back in the 40th, uh, you know, placement in the race. And, um, at that point I'd already talked to Dr. Horton race director and, and, you know, he was telling me how I just really needed to finish and, uh, took, took his urging to heart and, and just set my goals on that. And, um, 
ended up just kind of like having a pretty decent last 10 miles, you know, nothing to write home about, but I ran and, and felt pretty good and, and sort of felt like I should be finishing the race at that speed. If I, you know, if I would have had a normal day. And so I finished 20th, um, happy that I finished because looking back, I just, you know, you know, like everyone knows that feeling of finishing a race, but finishing a race after having such low moments and, and bad performance, um, in my own mind felt even better, you know? And so it was, it was really rewarding. Um, having Dr. Horton after the race, you know, he told me that he was more impressed with my finish at Hellgate than he was at my win at Grindstone. And so, um, I'm just really glad to have that on my resume now instead of just, you know, a DNF and, and to go home to Ohio without um, finishing the race. So that was my Hellgate, and uh, and it kind of makes me hungry for more. Hey, Michael, how did that uh, how did that cold and rain compare to Bighorn a few years ago? I know you went through some pretty tough times there with uh, not maybe not having the right jacket and struggling. I think that was maybe about halfway through that race. Mm -hmm. Um, did you, did you draw on that experience at all? I did. I thought about that a lot, but I think the biggest difference was that bighorns a tad bit warmer. Like the, the, the low temperature was, was warmer because, but, but then again, um, maybe it was colder up top because that bighorn, it's just an out and back and, and the high point of the race is at 50 miles. And I, and I was in that very similar, like nearing hypothermic stage at Bighorn, and I, and I felt that same thing at, at uh, Hellgate. The only difference was that Hellgate, I, I like, couldn't get warm, and uh, Bighorn, there's a warming tent. Like they had that set up, you know, pre- preparing for people like me, who got too cold. And I stayed in this warming tent with like all this like hot, nice stuff for like an hour before I got warm and got back out. Whereas like Hellgate, you know, if if I couldn't get warm then I would just have to drop out. And so that sort of was like the hard part, knowing I couldn't really get out of it without just having to kind of like move on. And so um, pretty similar though, like waterproof jacket kind of in both cases were, were like the lifeblood and even waterproof jackets weren't enough. Like it, it eventually got through. And so like, I think looking forward, I was talking to my wife about this, like, I basically just need to have like three waterproof jackets, three waterproof gloves, three, you know, of everything because you're going to go through all of them. Or you could take trash <laughs> bags. Yeah, you're right. I mean, that was, that was a, I mean, you didn't change clothes at all. And I changed like oh. four times and I was still cold until, until the sun came up like the last two hours. And so mm-hmm. maybe that, maybe you're right. Maybe just old school trash bags is, emergency solution but you know it yeah it kept me in because i i know everything you said is just you know clicks right with me too you know there was no chance of dropping out i mean you're just in the rain um there was no warming tents there were no fires um it was just cold dark rainy until the sun came up and then it started to stop raining a little bit that was beautiful saturday morning but uh you know something else that i sort of draw on and reflect on with the hellgate 100k to move forward with, you know, taking away a positive, um, you know, and Travis got a really good result in the end as well. But, uh, for all of us who finished that race and got through it is like the more defining situations in ultra running, the more experiences that you, you get through those hardships is the more times you can look back on them in the future. You know, like I'll, I'll probably encounter another crazy bad weather day again, 
you know, or, or maybe just a really bad low moment moment in, in any type of race. And um, those are the types of races that define ultra running and define your own kind of journey through the sport. And so um, I think it's just kind of like um, a very great experience for, for that. Yeah, before we wrap up here, Eric Anderson just had one more question. And it was like, did you guys stop at the aid stations for a long time? He said that he had to make really quick stops just to not get cold and just go. Travis? Um, yeah, I mean, the only aid station I was at for any amount of time was probably that mile 30. Um, and, I, and that's where I was really contemplating everything about that race. Um, but then, you know, after that, after I started to get some heat back in my body, um, I, I was at him for enough to get some food in, uh, but then I just wanted to keep moving. Um, so, I mean, it, long enough, not as, not as quick as, you know, maybe a summer race where I'm just, you know, filling water bottles up, taking food with me. Cause I, I was, ha had gloves on stuff wasn't easily accessible in my pack. Um, so I, I did have to take a little bit more time. I want to say, you know, I, I was at that one aid station for at least 20 minutes um, mile 30. But then, um, after that they were, you know, three, four minute aid stations, three, four glasses of Coke sandwiches, any fruit, um, and just got out and kept going. Yeah. For me, um, besides maybe like the bighorn hundred miler, this was probably the most time I'd spent at aid stations in a race. Um, I did think about like needing to move to get warm. But for me, in the moment at least, like the aid stations were my lifeblood, and and, uh, and like I said, I changed clothes several times, and I I really ate a lot. Like <laughs> um, the one aid station, I'm blanking on the name right now, but like it, with 20 miles to go, I think I had one and a half hamburgers, probably a pound of bacon, a bunch of sausage links, a bunch of pierogies. Like I probably ate. <laughs> enough calories to fuel the rest of my three days. And so, um, it, it was all hot food too, you know, like tomato soup and, and, um, you know, ramen noodles and stuff. And that was all one aid station. And so, uh, looking back, I was like probably a 15 minute stop, but I was also where I like got new clothes and, and really had to reset myself, taught myself out of dropping out again. So, um, I didn't seem to get cold, at the aid stations as much as I was running because I think the aid station served as a warming up location for me. So cool. All right, before we wrap up here, I got one more quick little question we're going to go around and say, but um, looking forward towards 2020, what is the single most exciting thing that you guys are looking forward to? Uh, Wesley hit it up first. Oh, it's putting me on the spot. Oh yeah. Um, I'm excited to see, Ohio's backyard ultra this year. I think that this race, there's some really competitive people. I think year two, um, I just think that it could be really special. I think that that race is actually going to be the highest affiliate backyard ultra in total miles ran. I think that it'll be the only one that'll beat that will be the Biggs backyard ultra. So that's what I'm most looking forward to seeing in 2020. Travis. Um, so my 2020, um, you know, I, I don't want to make it selfish about me because uh, Wes kind of <laughs> is making that about everybody. But, uh, you know, I really hope I get into Cascade Crest. Um, I think it suits me really well. It's, it's not super high as far as, uh, 
you know, altitude. I, I think it gets up to like 6,000 feet maybe. Um, it's around 20,000 ish, 23,000 feet of climbing. Um, so, you know, I, I think if I get in, I'm going to really put a lot of stress and focus on my year, uh, for training specifically for that race. Um, cause you know, I, I was talking to Michael, um, a few weeks ago, it might've been when we were at Hellgate. Um, but, uh, you know, to have a really big performance at a West coast hundred miler is, um, you know, I think that really says a lot about um, the caliber of, you know, athlete or, you know, your training. Um, a lot of people can easily uh, dismiss an East Coast runner. So to, to make a little bit of a name for yourself uh, on, the, on a West Coast, you know, well-known, well-established race would be a, you know, a really big goal of mine. And I think it'd be a really cool thing to do. Sweet. You got this, Travis. You're going to do great at it. And, uh, and I was just looking at the, um, the Cascade Crest applicant, the lo- the waitlist thing or the the lottery thing, and there's only like 150 people on the on the lottery. And they I know I hope let, it stays that way. They have to let more people in than 150, so um, mm-hmm. odds are pretty good for you. Yep, I hope so. We'll see. What are you looking forward to, Michael? Um, so I guess I'm looking forward to um, just my summer. Like the plan is, and we've done this a couple times in the past, my family and I, you know, my two kids and my wife, um, you know, I, I race direct basically for, for my living and teach some classes at OU and my wife's a school teacher. So she's off in May, end of May and, and doesn't have to be back until August. And I have a free summer. I don't I sort of maybe like purposely don't direct races in the summer. And so I'm looking forward to going out. Um, the plan is to just kind of go to Colorado set up camps in the national forest. We have some locations kind of pinpoint from past trips out there and um, just camp and hang out with my family and train in the mountains and maybe just kind of like pick up camp, maybe go to California or, or go down to you know New Mexico or up to Wyoming for weekend trips and stuff. But maybe, you know, or just like, you know, I'm looking forward to just spending three months perhaps in Colorado and in the West. So looking forward to that and training in the mountains. Sounds awesome. How about you, Nick? And seeing you, and seeing you a little bit, Nick. Hopefully. <laughs> yeah, I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't think I'll think I'll pass on that too. <laughs> uh, I'm looking forward to. Well, I mean, I am looking forward to Ohio's Backyard Ultra. Uh, I can only echo everything that Wes said about that race. Excited to uh, be able to participate this year. So. Uh, flights are booked and everything. Um, so that'll be super fun. Um, and then, uh, I don't want to jinx it, but it sounds like, uh, sounds like maybe, maybe Laz is pretty, uh, pretty confident that Michael might get in to Biggs backyard. So I'm really excited to see, um, if that happens, um, and how, how he would do there because the field down there at Biggs is, it's incredible. I mean, it's probably even, you know, double, as competitive as it was this past year so that would be super cool too so looking forward to seeing how that shakes out are you saying you're crewing for me yeah i'll be there nice a handshake here (laughs) i still owe you a pacing duty too by the way yeah yeah i'm pretty good at staying up late so uh big might be a good one yeah 
All right, John, back to you. All right, so for me, John's big goal. My, yeah, my main thing I'm excited for is just finishing 100. That's that's that. But I think um, what I might be most excited about more is um, spending time uh, working on this channel and growing this channel more. So this year is going to be a hard hit, with especially with me being done with most of my master's uh, work. I'm going to have a lot more time to focus on Ridge Runners and grow some of the videos and things that we're working on. So I think that's what I'm most excited about this year. But it's exciting. So I want to thank everyone for hanging out with us tonight. We went a little longer than an hour. Um, stayed up way past <laughs> Travis's bedtime. Um, but... Uh, it was a good time. We hope you all enjoyed the show. Thanks, Travis, Michael, Nick, Wesley, for joining us this evening. Um, any, any last words? Happy no? New Year. Happy New Year. Set your alarm, Travis. Happy New Year. <laughs> Bye. See, See you guys, guys later. later.